0: Welcome back to another session of Better Podcasting Chats with me. Hi, I'm SP. This is a streamed and recorded casual conversation with hobby and passion podcasters to share their experience, joy, knowledge, and enthusiasm of podcasting. Better Podcasting is a project by Stephen, John, Drew, and myself to help hobby and passion podcasters start their podcasts and make their existing projects better. That's why we came up with the name Better Podcasting in 2015. It is our hope that bringing on new voices from hobby and passion podcasting spaces with potentially different viewpoints will help others just as much as listening to Steven and myself. And talking about other podcasters, thank you very much to Julian and Gianna Quickstad from the Psychology with My Wife podcast for joining me in the previous chat. You can check out Julian and Gianna at their link tree, PWMW podcast. Now, if you're new to the show, I'm going to demonstrate to you what a hobby or passion podcast is because for the next few moments, I'm going to talk about my passion, space. So, you're getting a little idea of how one of these goes. So, SpaceX continues their preparations for the Starship orbital flight test pending FAA certification. So far, the community is tracking a potential launch date later this month. We'll see if that happens. Booster seven is currently off the OLM or orbital launch mount, but the equipment to put it back on is headed to the launch site today. So we'll see if that starts to get stacked. Now, in other news, there was a new rocket that was successfully launched. It was the 80% 3D printed Terran 1 rocket. It launched late Wednesday night, March 22nd, 2023. The first stage performed flawlessly. However, the second stage failed and fell back into the ocean. Still, Congratulations to the Relativity Space team for the successful first stage flight. I know that's a whoo, that's a load off of their shoulders for sure because you don't want to explode on the pad. Or if you're like me, like a pyrotechnic rocket scientist, you kind of want to see it, but I know it's it's it would be bad for everybody. So at least it got off the pad successfully and they just have to fix stage 2. All right, for the next hour I'm chatting with somebody who is a film and movie review podcaster. Joey is one half of the podcast Affable Chat. Together with his co-host, Benjamin, they have been reviewing movies and other things for five years now. They are two friends who like to explore film and storytelling and have been honing their media criticism and audio editing muscles to create an enjoyable show. Welcome to the chat, Joey. Hey,
1: thank you, SP. It's awesome. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining me. Now, first of all, what is Affable Chat? How would you describe it? It's a
1: uh, a fun podcast between two friends where we mostly talk about movies. We've branched into other things too. I did a a couple episodes about Infinite Jest, the book by David Foster Wallace. I've uh, written some original fiction short stories and had Benjamin read them on the podcast. We've done lots of what we call off script episodes where we just kind of hang out and do the two dudes talking style podcast, which is so popular, but mostly we talk about movies and uh, kind of express our love of film and our love of uh pop culture through that and um yeah we 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 spend a lot of time each week watching and reading about movies and coming on to the show to share what we've learned and what we feel and everything else so it's been a lot of fun and it's been a really great outlet for me creatively and for Benjamin as
0: well. What would you say would be your favorite movie that you've reviewed on the show?
1: Oh man, that's too hard to answer. I can't say a favorite movie. One of my my podcasts that I feel most proud of is the one we did early on for Ex Machina. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. Yes, it's a classic science fiction film and Starring Donald Gleeson and Oscar Isaac, Alicia Vikander, It's a very rich philosophical film. And we, uh, I really enjoyed talking about it and dissecting it, reading about it, especially all that stuff about Jackson Pollock that they tie into the movie. It's very, very interesting. But yeah, if you're looking for something more recent, we did a five-episode series on James Cameron, which was incredible. I'm such a James Cameron fan now after watching five of his movies in a row, including Avatar and Avatar: The Way of Water. Yeah, that that was a really enjoyable experience, and uh, I think those are some of my favorite movies that we've done on the podcast as
0: well. All right, I hope you're prepared for this next one. What would be one of your least favorite films that you've reviewed on the show?
1: Oh, that's easy. Flock of Dudes, starring Cristalia. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's one of our one of our least Listen to episodes ever. And rightfully so. It's a terrible, terrible movie. It's just misogynistic, poorly edited, not funny at all. It's very just crass and something that kind of stands out. You know, it's one of those things where you would hope that you have like a wide variety of different content on your podcast, right? But this one is one of those outliers that just kind of sits on the side. And it's not even hard for me to pick a worst one because it's, it's always there just sitting in the background, lowering my stats as far as like well-reviewed movies on the podcast.
0: <laughs> you can make fun of it, I guess, and get better ratings, but having to sit through the movie, that's one thing. Yeah. I was asked to be on a friend's movie review podcast, a science fiction review podcast, and they had me review the film Slipstream, not the new mm-hmm. one. The one way back when with Bill Paxton, and yes, Luke Skywalker himself, and it was literally the worst movie I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's I don't, I'm not envious of that. I've definitely watched some stinkers on this, on this podcasting journey as well. There was this podcast I was on a long time ago where they would review only, pod, only movies that had 0% ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. So we did uh, The Starving Games, which was the Hunger Games parody, which was, gosh, what a terrible movie. (laughs) Absolutely awful. But um, it was a fun gimmick. So I enjoyed talking to those guys for
0: sure. The Redemption Arc is what they're called. Okay. What inspired you to start podcasting?
1: It's kind of weird because I honestly never really felt like I was going to be in this space, really. My friend Benjamin had a fantasy football podcast where he would talk about his fantasy football league which was, you know, had a pretty limited audience as far as any sort of engagement. But I I listened to every episode. I thought it was very I was very fun, you know, hearing from one of my friends what he was up to. And after the season ended that year, he he's kind of put a call out on the podcast saying, "I'm interested in doing more of this, but maybe not about fantasy f- football." So I reached out to him and said, "Why don't you do a movie podcast?" And he invited me on to be a part of that, and we basically just went from there, and uh, yeah, it's been great because Benjamin and I are very good friends, and it's nice spending time with him. And I also I often think of the podcast as or aff- affable chat in general as an excuse for me to force my friends to watch movies I like. So it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of that exercise over and over again for the last
0: five years. So I put a call out on Reddit on the subreddit podcast guest exchange, and you replied to that. Why did you reply to that and want to be on the show?
1: Well, you had a pretty interesting pitch, uh, something that I hadn't really seen before, which is that this is a podcast, at least ostensibly, about podcasting, which is pretty unique, I think. I think most people wouldn't would uh, shy away from that kind of uh, navel-gazing. I. I'm not one of those people. I'm obsessed with self-reflection. But um, I've been on that subreddit uh, and the sister subreddit podcast guests or something like that for years now. And this is where I find all of the interesting podcasts I go on. I see people post on there all the time and I will apply uh, to it and see if they're interested. I think my, you know, the fact that I own a microphone <laughs> and have a podcast of my own certainly gives me some credence. So, I often feel like I am successful when I'm asking to be on someone's show. But it's a, um, uh, I think it's nice, you know, usually a pretty small community. So, uh, you get some, you know, I think your post got has some pretty good engagement. Usually, you get one or two people that will comment on it, which is um, uh, about the extent of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think that that's a uh, a nice place to find people. If people are willing to reach out, I'm willing to to try it. And um, I, I certainly thought that your idea here, which is to improve podcasting from a, po- from a hobbyist perspective, but also you know, talking exclu- explicitly to veteran podcasters, certainly uh, appealed to me.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with talking to new podcasters and people that haven't started their show yet and want to use it as a consulting call and stuff like that. I'm fine with that. Usually I get somebody that's podcasting for at least six months. Before they're like, hey, I can go guest on another show, which is one of the stated ways to promote. Definitely. I have to say, cross promote, go on another show. I don't do it as much as I probably should, but I am asked from time to time to be on podcasts and I go there. I should probably, since I like podcasting so much, I should probably get on that subreddit more often myself and say, hey, that looks like a show I wanna be on and get on there. But along those lines, you obviously like the podcast since you're going on other people's show. What excites you about podcasting?
1: That's a difficult question to answer, I think. I think part of it is just getting to new- meet new people. I consider myself an introvert, but sometimes, you know, you get in a call with a stranger and you start talking to them and it starts to, I don't know, there's a certain vibration that goes through me. I feel like I'm, I express myself, especially since... The person i 'm talking to shares something that I feel passionate about, right, which is you know talking at length about something that you know you feel passionate about. I think honestly, it comes from just a passion to express myself and express myself about art in general that kind of podcasting uh, lends itself to me lends itself to my passion I think that it's a um, a very useful outlet since it's a very there's a very low barrier to entry right don't even have to write anything necessarily you can just show up and start rambling which is what i'm doing now but it's a very i don't know i I really like the um the expressiveness of people's voices i've always liked radio shows i've always liked listening to just the voice like other people's voices and and how they can express themselves in very unique ways and I, i like being a part of that and i like hearing when other people listen to my show and how what they thought about it you know the idea that i'm in somebody else's ear uh, even if when i'm not physically there is certainly appealing to me yeah i don't know what, what about you what do you find pat like what do you, makes you passionate about it
0: i've told this story before but way back when when podcasting just started i was looking for content that sung to me kind of yeah. like you were saying that was important to me or whatever. And I was like, "Where are the people that like sci-fi?" And I was astounded because I work with a bunch of literal rocket scientists, and they're like, "Yeah, it's all right." And they were more focused on the reality of the situation, which I mean, at work I am—I don't bring science fiction into work. But they were more serious nerds, and were like, "You yeah, we don't do that." And <laughs> okay. So I'm like, "Okay, who am I going to talk to about this stuff?" And I tried satellite radio, and that's another thing. The commercials on commercial radio were just driving me nuts. So I tried satellite radio, and back then, satellite radio, paid satellite radio, because it came with my car when I got it. It was great enough for me to actually buy the subscription. So checkmark for, uh, I think it was Sirius Radio at the time that I had. So checkmark. They did their job. They gave me the free pinch to begin with, and then I went with it. and then. I I caught some things like the comedy channels and stuff like that, but it got repetitive over time. So I'm like, I need to find something else. So I heard about this thing called podcasting. I didn't have a clue what it was. And I asked for one or my wife gave it to me at the time. She gave me a early, early iPod. So I have the iPod. I plug it into iTunes and I, I look for podcasts and way back in the mid 2000s, there weren't that many podcasts, but there were enough. So there was some science fiction related podcasts. There were some sports related podcasts, even though it was reused like ESPN radio. And I was like, well, this is cool. So I can listen to this as I'm mowing the lawn or I'm in the car and I don't have to listen to radio. And that devolved into listening to this show called Galactic Water Cooler, which then became my community. They were my tribe. They were my people. It was a podcast about the Battlestar Galactica reboot show, and there was just tons and tons of community there. And it was great. I'm like, okay, this is what I wanted. This is it. And then I'm listening over time. and I'm like, you know, I could probably do this. <laughs> so, and I wasn't the only one. There are many podcasters that sprung out of that community, which started in 2007, that podcast even today. And I started my own show. I guess it on some shows and then started my own show in 2013 and ran on from then. But uh, yeah, that's what excites me is be able to connect with people that are like-minded that I like to hang out with. It's like going to your neighborhood bar that, you know, you're going to talk about the best subject to you at that time. And that you just get to hang out with your friends doing it. And, uh, you know, to comment on a, a comment that you made, you know, uh, you're in somebody's ears, but not physically. I actually physically get in their ears. I'm that bed bug that gets right in there. No, just kidding. So get back to your show though. Affable chat or affable chat. Apple. Apple. How do you pronounce it? Affable. Affable Af- chat. Affable chat. How'd you guys come up with the name?
1: It was something uh, that didn't exist yet, <laughs> and if you Google affable chat, we're the first ones to show up. That's something that I'm I'm proud of. You know, I think that a lot of other podcasts uh, have trouble, not necessarily with SEO, right, but just with having a very generic name about whatever, right? Maybe it's a phrase or a catchphrase or you know a quote from a movie we decided that you know we were chatting and that we were very friendly, so affable chat sort of fit like fit that mold and this is I mean the argument I told Benjamin was that it doesn't matter what the name is if you come up with something, eventually it will mean whatever it is and i'm I sort of resist this constant feeling that you have to rep be referencing something right like there's this idea that Everything you do has to be tied to some greater piece of something else, right? Like, oh, you're inspired by blank and therefore your show is named after blank. Or you have this poster in your background, right? Which is supposed to be seminal to you. But I I don't necessarily need that to be true. I feel like creativity can spring from almost nothing. And I like the idea that affable chat didn't mean anything and now... It means something very special to me and to Benjamin. So it's it's almost like nonsense in a way, and now it's like become something more than it it originally
0: was. I like that way of thinking. Now you mentioned SEO a little while ago, though. Search engine optimization. It's a way to get into the top tier of search results, basically, as somebody is looking for a podcast on a different subject. And I will not argue, but I will just state that there is some advice out there. I would call it best practices. Now, Mm -hmm. podcasting is great because you don't, there's no rules. You could do whatever you want. But the best practice states that you should probably have something in your title that references what somebody would search on in order to find your show. Now, you're in a very highly competitive or overstuffed niche movie reviews, right? So maybe this was best for you to not say the movie review podcast or something like that and go with something like this. But I would say if you're starting a podcast and it's not about movies or something like that, you probably want to reference the topic that you are discussing just so you can rank higher in the search ratings.
1: Yeah, I think that's good advice. But uh, you're right. The podcast, I mean, movie review podcast is one of the most oversaturated. Probably true crime and then I don't know, uh, vaguely comedy. I think are probably the the other two categories that are like just as popular, so almost anything you have, any name you can come up with that has movie in the title or a play on movie is probably already taken or is already referenced somewhere else. And there's no way that your podcast will reach that top. But you know, honestly, like we weren't really thinking about SEO when we named the podcast, and we weren't even sure if we were going to stick with movies for as long as we have. It was just something generic, really that uh, that kind of came to us. But no, it is good advice for sure because. I don't know how people discover podcasts exactly. I usually find new podcasts based on recommendations from other podcasts. So it seems like it's a kind of a closed loop in many ways. I don't know. What I mean, how do you think people discover podcasts?
0: I or, think most people type in something into their search bar. Yeah. That's where Google Podcasts for a while was like the godsend because you can go in and, and search on Chrome or Google or whatever. This is before in the days before Chat GPT and you could <laughs> Find your podcast that way, and you'd rank higher in the search results. So there is that for finding something. The same thing applies to actually going into Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon Music or wherever you are consuming your podcast, iHeartRadio, wherever it is, and search for the topic. And there it is. But most of the podcasts that I listen to are either Friends that Podcast now or they're recommended to me and i know there's a lot of great shows out there but i also kind of reel back a little bit from like the professional shows first of all because there is a lot of advertising on it and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to listen to podcasts at the beginning is to not have that advertisement and second of all i know that it's produced and it's got some producers got some gatekeeper behind there and it's not the raw human into the microphone experience that is part of hobby or passion podcasting, which is what I like. Now I do listen to professional shows, but percentage wise, it's probably 20% professional, 80% hobby.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I mean, your whole thing, especially with this podcast, right. Is about hobbyists and not like, you know, semi-professionals, perhaps right. People that are in the, uh, you know, or doing it basically for fun and, you know, are hoping to make it big at some point or or maybe not. So I feel like having a, a good feel for that certainly strengthens what you think works or what you learn about what works, right? Yeah. I don't know. I like the kind of overproduced stuff. I really like Radiolab. I like the uh, very like kind of...
0: Narrative storytelling.
1: Yeah, noisy kind of stuff. It's not something that I really feel like I can do, but it's something I enjoy consuming. I I like the kind of gripping nature of it. And I like the narrative story elements. I mean, that's something I prefer in my movies as well. I'm not like a huge documentary or true crime person. I like having narratives. I like having a kind of a point to something. It's just very, um, I don't know, I, I like the idea that this is something from someone's head and that they've pushed it into reality. And I, I think that's, um, I don't know, I think it's a matter of taste, but it's something that I, I feel pretty passionate about because we spend a lot of time talking about fiction and I really push back against people that are anti-fiction or only read non-fiction or anything like that. I feel like, let say, you're losing a lot of like, the human experience when you, all you do is care about like, uh, stuff that's actually happened, I guess. It's things that happen in people's heads sometimes can reflect reality in a much deeper way. And I find that really,
0: really compelling. You mentioned before, before I forget, that movies and TV is one of the biggest niches out there, uh, true crime being another. There are three others that I know of because I do a lot of research into this. Can you guess what those three topics are that are the most popular type of podcast?
1: I would say probably news is, is, yeah, is up that's there.
0: A, that's, that's like a fourth one, but it's okay. not one of the top three.
1: Oh, man. True crime. And then uh, I'm trying to think. Now I'm thinking about uh, just podcasts I listen to.
0: Yeah, it's probably not when you listen to politics, religion, and sports.
1: Mm, okay. I mean, it makes sense now that you say it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> very big. Those three are very big. So it's, it's not just true crime or movie review podcast. There are others out there. Yeah, absolutely. How did you learn how to podcast? Was it just, you're just going to get on mic and record with Benjamin or was there a training period or how'd you do it?
1: Mostly just uh, trial and error. I started off on my phone recording on a, uh, like a voice memo because I hate the sound of people who record through somebody's, like through a cell phone, right? That noise is, is terrible. At least like Zoom, you can get a better quality audio from that. You can record it very easily. And that's super easy to do. But yeah, I I've, I've started off just on my phone with the voice memo, just talking into it. And then I sent the recording to Benjamin to edit together with his local recording. And then, um, yeah, I eventually upgraded to a, like a real microphone. And now I have this pod mic from uh, Rode that I really like. Um, but yeah, mostly just trial and error you know i would listen back to myself and i would benjamin would give me tips as well and some people that listen to the show would tell me things that they liked or didn't like and i would try to uh you know incorporate that into this so i think after a a certain amount of time you get you start to to pick up on some things that you're doing well i think that i still have a lot of crutches and you know i'm not i'm not the, the best speaker altogether not even the most uh well mixed right i'm not not the most modular but i think i've gotten better at just synthesizing my thoughts talking off the cuff and you know quickly responding to which is a skill that i think i struggled with when i was much younger and um something that is certainly important if
0: you're gonna be doing this you had it lucky kid i'm gonna throw it out there (laughs) like that the pod mic and an audio interface. I wish I would have had those things available to me when I started podcasting. Sincerely, I wish I did because it would have made things so much easier. Like I would have gone with a Samsung Q2U to start just because I was cheap and didn't want a lot of gear. But once I did start improving, I would have gotten into things like a pod track before, roadcaster, mm-hmm. eventually when that came out. Definitely some of the audio interfaces. I've tried to record into computers over the years. And unfortunately, I have lost so much audio that way that I just try not to do that and try to do a separate hardware recorder. Like I was saying, uh, Amix, Cast 4, the RODECaster Pro or RODECaster Pro 2, the PodTrak P4 or P8, those types of things. But when you're using those over the Internet, you only get two tracks. You get you, and then everybody else coming into you. You might have a third or fourth track when it comes to sound design and stuff like that. Which really, when the people talking, it's everybody on one track and then you. So you kind of have to go online to get the multi-track through some sort of uh, software or uh, streaming packet, kind of like we're using now with Streamyard. And I do that, but I do it hesitantly because I always have a backup because I always lose stuff, but. The gear, the gear was just, oh, it was, that was the definitive of 10, 15 years ago. That was the definitive of a hobby podcaster because you were literally taking stuff that wasn't meant to work together and you were making it work together. Connecting over Skype was a bear back in the day. It still kind of is because they inject some sort of hiss, but yeah, I'm just going to say you're lucky you started when you did because you didn't have to worry about those technical stuff.
1: Yeah, well, it's really interesting to hear you say that because I feel like it's super easy to find microphones and audio interfaces now. There's so many different varieties and different things. And I mean, I started off with a USB mic, which was, you know, ultimately I had to get rid of it because I needed an audio interface. But yeah, it's, it is super interesting to hear um, about like what you were going through when you first started. I, I'm really curious about what you had what kind of hacks you had to to pull out, to get something like that to work. I mean, so did you, you had a microphone, obviously. I mean, you could get a microphone, right? How did that, what was it for? Was it, I mean, they had radio microphones, right? Were you able to get your hands on something like that or, or what?
0: Most podcasters back in the day were podcasting with musician stuff because they were sure. musicians and they adapted it too. There was very few radio people that, that went on. I started with a chat headset, which sounded terrible. And the guy that I started podcasting with He was a real self-described audiophile, and I knew it graded on him because I I wasn't asked back all that much, and it wasn't until a few years later where I was like, okay, what do I get? Because there wasn't this plethora of knowledge for podcasters that there is now, and if I would have known about the ATR2100 at the time, that was like the USB XLR dynamic microphone that you could get. I think it was out when I bought my microphone or it might have been a year out. But in any event, I went with a small factor USB mixer and a Behringer XM1300S microphone, which is really low end. But I was really trying to be cheap, but it was light years above a chat headset. And you were talking before about phone calls. You don't like phone calls. The reason that you don't like the phone call sound is the phone line literally cuts out frequencies.
1: That's right.
0: It's not the microphone in the phone. It is the phone line that you're going through. So if you're connecting through Zoom on your phone, you're connecting through Wi-Fi and they use different, the full frequency band really that's available to your microphone. With a phone line, nope. You have, and I forget the cutoffs. I want to say 16,000 Hertz is like one of the cutoffs. I, I can't remember the exact frequency range. But that's why it sounds the way it does. So that is the USB chat headset. Also, they have the same sort of frequency because they were made in the era of simply the phone lines. Right. So I did move into a Behringer mixer. I think it was the 802 USB. I used the 1300S and I started and I had to record on the computer using a Skype recorder, which I ended up losing some. Audio and I got really mad at that because if you've ever lost the audio and you'd be like, I have to re-record this episode, it's so not off the cuff. There's no inspiration to it. You're literally talking to the same people or yourself about the same stuff. You're like, oh my gosh, I hate
1: that so much. We've lost I don't know how many episodes we've only lost one episode. There's one episode we didn't re-record, it was for our Wreck It Ralph episode. Every so often we pour one out for Wreck It Ralph. and and memorandum but every other one that we've we've messed up we've re-recorded and it's usually a movie that i didn't like that we'll do again one of the ones i remember specifically was the clint eastwood movie unforgiven really really great movie but so depressing and i was so ready to move on after but then we recorded the whole thing lost the episode and it's just so devastating when that happens oh my gosh it ruins your whole day until even if it's not your fault you know it's still the worst, and if it is your fault, right? If it's your if it's your uh, equipment that failed, gosh, uh, there's no worse feeling. It really a stab in the heart. But yeah, uh, we've we've re-recorded a few because of that. But since then, I record locally on two different softwares. We've been using zencaster for recording, which has been a great backup. Except that they've just changed their rules, so now it's only a uh, two hours a month for free or something like that so we're gonna have to find a new a new place to go but it was uh yeah uh uh, you know it's it's i always think about it like uh going outside with an umbrella right as long as i have all my backups running as long as we have zencaster there it's nothing's gonna go wrong but as soon as that one thing fails as soon as i'm podcasting without a net right something will go wrong and i'll end up re-recording the whole episode so
0: We've told this story before on better podcasting, but this is a true story. One time I used the eighth backup. You have eight backups. I had eight backups (laughs) going because I was streaming. I was recording to like YouTube at the time. I I forget where it was. There was some audio recordings going on. I think Spreaker at the time was broadcasting just the audio. So I had a total of eight recordings going and I had to use the eighth backup to actually produce the show. I was just thankful that I had the audio and when I started losing audio to begin with and having to re-record those bland shows. And I always heard those horror stories of you get that A-list guest and then something goes wrong with the recording. Mm. So my next evolution in gear was to get a zoom H six hardware recorder. And then I had to cobble that together with my setup in order to do the mix minus to be able to record it because it was not like the roadcaster pro two acts as an audio interface and a recorder simultaneously. Right. The zoom H six does not so I had to record, I had to snake stuff through the H6. I had to monitor through my headphones from the H6 to make sure I was getting everything. And that was it. I will say that it is not infallible either because you could have issues with the SD card. So having multiple <laughs> backups is uh, a benefit. I have a video that's one of the m- biggest viewed videos on the Gunna Geek YouTube channel about recovering the data from an SD card from a Zoom H6. because. It happens. There are ways to correct it. And I went through the ways to actually recover it. It's not always recoverable, but I was able to recover it. And yeah, it was much more hobby-ish back in the day. But I will say that you you said you had two recorders going. Computers are more advanced than they were 10 years ago, but you still podcast with people that have lower-end equipment. And that lower-end equipment might not be able to do multiple tasks simultaneously or they might run out of memory. Maybe there's more RAM in there. So you can't always count on them being able to record locally either. So it's good to have multiple backups. And I say more backups is always good, but at least two, at least a prime recording and a backup, because you will lose less episodes that way. Definitely.
1: Yeah, no, you're definitely right. And that's why we, that's why Zencast was such a blessing for us is because we didn't have to rely on our inexperienced guests to, record on their own machines or or having some sort of problem because almost always we had some sort of issue where their microphone would come unplugged or they would run out of memory or they wouldn't be able to get it set up, or whatever and zencaster you know even if their computer like reboots in the middle of the podcast it doesn't matter it will still record and uh, you'll be able to recover it and we don't do anything live so we were able to fill in those gaps with, without too much trouble whenever that happens but yeah it's a uh, a uh, terror of the podcasting world, I believe, is uh, losing episodes. It's very funny to hear you have eight backups going, or, or at least you did at one point. And you know, I don't blame you at all, because I hate that feeling. It's one of the worst feelings ever. And if you can ever recover it, man, you feel like a hero. You're like, I did it. <laughs> I've <laughs> solved it. I've, I've, the, the universe has come down on me, and I have uh, thwarted it in
0: this one time. Unfortunately, it takes a lot of time in order to recover a lot of stuff sometimes. Sure because you have to go into some kind of recovery tool or bring it to uh, a computer place in order to do that. So it could be money in some cases. I did have a hard drive go bad once, wow. and I didn't lose any podcast stuff because it was on a different hard drive. But since then, I have more of a backup system going on my computer and including uh, Backblaze and a USB hard drive locally, and I make sure it's running and that sort of stuff. So I have all that going. It is. It is a big part of, of better podcasting. We are big, big backup guys for data and recordings. Absolutely. Uh, you use Zencaster. Zencaster, at one point in time, was having a lot of sync issues or a lot of issues with people's computers. And I won't blame that entirely on Zencaster, although maybe it was designed to use maybe too many resources on somebody's computer. I don't know about the back end co- uh, coding. I've heard it's better now. There are others out there. There's eCaster. There is Riverside, Squadcast, CleanFeed. We're using StreamYard right now because I'm actually streaming as we're recording. So there are several tools in the toolkit that you can use today that were not available even five years ago. So I'm very, very fortunate for a, a, a new podcaster coming on today. You have the tools available. It's you're not figuring out the tech. You're more concentrating on the content to get it out, which I think is great.
1: I think that's great as well. You know, it's so easy to get started, and there's all these little little quirks and things, right? Things to get better at. But I mean, like you said, it's so much easier today than it than it was uh, when you guys got started. So, and that's that's awesome. I think it's amazing how easy it is for people to make content themselves, and obviously that makes it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of crap out there. There's also some really really great stuff that's just kind of hidden, that uh, just kind of waiting to be discovered. So. Uh, I think that's amazing, and uh, I'm really. Um, it's really. I mean, it's very interesting to think about what the future will be like when all of this is. If all of this is still available, right? What kind of uh, archives will be available? How many terabytes or petabytes of information will just be sitting out there, never listened to or never like uh, analyzed? That will give some sort of insight about how people were living in our time.
0: I think it's coming sooner or later with machine learning and artificial intelligence. I think there'll be some interesting research thesis that is done delving into media. It wasn't until recently, like 10 years ago, that universities actually had like media and, and by media, I mean like digital media, not like news media, digital media degrees. And mm-hmm. uh, actually the friend that I first started podcasting with, he got a advanced degree in social media not the social media like tiktok and twitter but like sharing digital media i guess is is the best way to phrase it and he did a masters degree thesis and it was one of the first in the country so i think we're going to see more and more in the evolution of this is a good idea this is what works and this doesn't through the education system so i'm looking forward to learning more about that cuz right now mostly it's just based off of people that have been successful with uh, news or radio or maybe some sort of storytelling, whether it's t v or streaming or something like that that come into podcasting, they' saying we know how to tell a story, we know how to engage the listener, and we want to impart that on podcasting, and for the most part, a lot of it is applicable depending on what kind of podcast you have. but podcasting is its own unique thing, just like t v is figuring out that streaming is different than linear t v oh yeah. Someday they will, I mean, it's doing very well right now, but someday they'll really bang it home.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting because podcasting is very decentralized, right? YouTube has basically a monopoly on, on video and TikTok has exploded on short-form short video, but you know, in the, everyone else is trying to compete with them. But a lot of, you know, there's only, what, five websites on the internet now because uh, of Web2, everything's been consolidated. But podcasting is kind of unique in that it's, you know, there's all these uh, different platforms and lots of different voices out there. And you can put your podcast on almost any of these platforms without too much trouble. But like the discovery options are not the same, right? Uh, How you discover new shows is largely, largely up to like recommendations, like you're saying, or deliberate searches. Right. And even then, you're only going to find the most popular stuff. Or those are the ones that are going to rise to the top. So I I think it's interesting that it's not like centered on one website. It's not centered around one thing. Right. And um, it's still very accessible because it does make it pretty unique as far as modern like uh, art forms.
0: Right. Right. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do, I want to ask you a question before I forget. If you could have told you yourself one thing to make it easier to start podcasting before you started podcasting, knowing what you know now, what would you have told yourself?
1: I think I would have told myself to start to like really start reading articles. I found that it's very informative when I start reading about production of movies and when I start reading like other reviews. I tried not to do that too much because I don't want it to color my own opinions. But it's something that I think, as I've become more comfortable in my own head and with my own thoughts, I think that's something that I found a lot of value in because I've been able to evaluate whether I agree with someone or whether I don't, and not let them necessarily influence what I'm thinking. And a lot of times, there's interesting stuff in these reviews or production stories, right? Even if they're colored in a certain way, and that's something I wasn't really doing at the beginning. Is something that I I, I think could like in could have enhanced my content more. I think honestly the the journey I've taken as far as equipment and as far as just talking and everything has been very natural and I I don't I don't want to disrupt the timeline if you will on that. I think I still am in the middle in the midst of my own growth there. So I'm not sure where I'm going to end up. But I I think that the confidence and self-assuredness that I've gained through podcasting has been very natural and I wouldn't want to uh, tell myself, oh, you're going to know what you're talking about in five years, uh, because I don't think that would do me much
0: good <laughs> five years ago. Right. So you mentioned to me beforehand that you had some audio editing pet peeves. I'm very interested to hear about this.
1: So one of my least favorite things is when you're listening to a show and it has commercials in it, and they cut in the middle of someone's sentence or in the middle of someone's word. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. You don't listen to a lot of podcasts with commercials in them.
0: Actually, that's one of the reasons why I don't is because I hear that. And I'm like, no,
1: it's awful. And there's this podcast called Game of Roses, which is about The Bachelor, which is a very fascinating study of The Bachelor and it as a sport. But one of the guys on there, uh, Chad Colchin, he's very passionate about audio and he, he runs several different podcasts. And he allows his show to be cut in this way where they, it will suddenly stop in the midst of a sentence, in the midst of a word sometimes, and start playing a commercial. And I know, like, that in the grand scheme of things, right? It's probably, he probably doesn't have much control over that. But other shows don't have this problem. Other shows have commercial breaks or even smooth transitions to commercials. So I don't really know why this happens. It's jarring. And I, I absolutely can't stand it because it makes it feel like uh, there's like this lack of care at play here, right? Like the the output, the thing that people are listening to is not the thing that you are distributing, I guess. I, I don't know. It, it feels so strange to be so disconnected from it. And um, I, I can only put up with it for so long and then I end up having to to throw it away. And I, I think I have a... A sensory issue i don't know if you've heard of misophonia yeah actually it's described as hatred of sound i i describe it as contempt for certain noises specifically for me it's like chewing right if someone's like uh smacking their lips or or chewing uh while they're eating it's it's incredibly grating for me usually i'll have to leave the room or wear headphones or something like that so i feel like i'm extra sensitive to noises like that people that you know get that when they open their open their mouths, or if they, are God forbid, eat while they're podcasting, that sort of thing is that's it for me. There was one time I was listening to Mike Rose podcast in the car with my parents, and he called up his mom for uh, Mother's Day or something like that. She was on the phone and she was chewing gum. I had I listened to it for about five sec- five minutes, and then I just. Hit the off button. And I said, nope, I'm not doing this. I cannot. I don't care, mom, that you want to listen to this podcast. I don't care that you love Mike Rowe. I cannot listen to another minute of this. This is awful. Uh, I don't know why you would subject yourself to that in real life or as a form of entertainment. So, yeah.
0: I have a ton of Mike Rowe stories, and I'm just going to tell a couple. I did try to listen to his podcast once, but it was like he... Took, and this is before the pandemic he took a microphone into the closet and it was like uh, a blue yeti it was a condenser mm-hmm. microphone his yeah. closet must have been the most cavernous room in the house <laughs> with no clothes in it because it was just reverb <laughs> completely i'm like mike he's got a really good voice right Yes. and i'm like mike this sucks i'm not gonna <laughs> listen to this just because it's like that and the content wasn't all that great for that episode if i remember that correctly and then For Deadly, you know, he narrates Deadliest Catch, and at the time I was watching Deadliest Catch, I do not watch Deadliest Catch anymore, but anyway, beginning of the pandemic, they were trying to produce this season, and he was streaming, literally, they just recorded like a StreamYard session like we were having, like this, and they didn't edit it, and he sounded like crap, he wasn't on a good microphone, he was playing the, it's like... (laughs) They didn't know how to do it, right? Yes. Even though he was a professional, he didn't know how to set up his own office as a pod, or a, I was going to say podcast studio, as an audio studio, right? So he's just sitting there with some sort of camera that was on focus with poor microphone, and I'm like, Mike, this sucks. <laughs> I remember talking to like Steven and a few other people in the kind of Geek Network at the time on our Discord server, and I was like what is going on? And It wasn't just that. It was like late night shows and stuff like that, that were just just awful audio. We're like, oh my God, we've been doing this for years. We have figured this out. Get some podcasters on retention and they will tell you exactly how to do this and fix it before the next episode. But they did anyway. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. You got me going a couple of times, specifically on micro.
1: No, that's the thing is when you think about this for a long time and you see somebody who's has some you know natural talent like Mike Rowe does. It's it's very frustrating when nothing when that's not utilized correctly, especially since you like. I think you can make the argument that it's super easy to fix, right? If you had some anybody that knows what they're doing, you just sit there and you know practice it through him. You know, set it up for him and say, "All right, now go." It would, it would turn out so much better. Yeah, that sort of thing. Like I can deal with some you know, unprofessionalism. I can deal with a little bit of echo sometimes. I can deal with, you know, a little bit of uh poor editing occasionally, but those things make me just like feel like nobody cares. You know, nobody's listened to this. Nobody uh wants to make a good show. They just think of this as, oh, I'm gonna turn on a microphone and just start talking. And that's uh that's content. People will eat that up.
0: So I have another question for you. You'd mentioned that you are thinking about going to a podcast convention. I'm going to ask you why. Why do you want to go to a podcast convention?
1: We have some friends. They run a show called the Super Bracket Bros, which is a fictional tournament, uh, a tournament between fictional characters where they, it's like a battle royale where they fight each other. And these guys are really nice. And they recommended that we go to a podcast convention. They, they have guests on almost every episode. They have a lot of connections um, in kind of the space that we occupy. And they said it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I accidentally ended up at a podcast convention once. I was in Nashville with my wife. And we went to the Gaylord Hotel, mm-hmm. which is a huge convention center. Mm-hmm. really close to the grand old opry in nashville mm-hmm. and uh, i saw people wearing lanyards and somebody else with a with a shirt that said like i love to podcast or something I'm like there's something going on here and it was like the last day almost everything had cleared out they had some buttons on a table and like a bunch of like uh, chairs and stuff but i had no idea what was happening and then i just kind of wandered in there yeah I, I don't know i i just think it'd be kind of a fun thing to see and to learn about and to, um you know meet other people that are also podcasting.
0: What year was that?
1: Uh, it was a couple of years ago.
0: 2021. 2021 sounds right, yeah. You should have met me there.
1: Were you there? Were you there all 3 days?
0: Yeah, I was there there for the whole week. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I went to survey it for our better podcasting audience and yeah, I I have some okay. So I was at the same venue that you're talking about. I can see if you don't know anything, it's it looks neat like any convention you walk in, and specifically because that open hallway right there was where they had all the gear and some of the booths that you didn't have to pay to get into. Sure, and uh, I, I I could see how you'd be like, oh, this is so cool. There's a co- there's a convention for podcasting, and that's the way a lot of pod- podcasters are too. Now. I will caution any hobby podcaster about this. And I'm not the only one. A lot of people that go to these podcasting conventions come away with the same takeaway. So if you are wanting to learn more about podcasting, or if you want to buy gear, you're not going to be able to. If you want to, if you think it's going to increase your hobby podcast, it's probably not going to. And it's going to, generally, it's going to cost you a lot of money because it's going to be during the week. So you got to take vacation from work. Normally you have to buy a plane ticket because they're normally across the country or drive several hours. You got to buy a hotel room for several nights. Then there's the food that comes with it between the ticket and all of that. You're talking around $2,000, 2500 to attend one of these. So it's a, it's a full blown vacation. Yeah. I'm not going to dissuade anybody that's really into podcasting for going to one of these but unless you're super into the podcasting industry from a fan standpoint, you're not going to see a lot of the of the pot, the fan sort of stuff that you might see like in a comic con or something like that. It is literally about industry. It's about learning how to podcast. I will say if you're willing to spend $2,300 on your hobby podcast by doing this, you probably should put that money into tools or software or knowledge for yourself, like online courses or something like that. instead because the biggest takeaway that people get is running into people and and making some relationships but those relationships don't necessarily turn into anything like if you're looking to grow your hobby into an actual business you have to have some success before you actually get to do that before people are willing to talk to you or something like that and a lot of the advertisements that you get through the various ad agencies You can do all that online now. And it's all based on download numbers, which are IAB certified statistics. So as cool as it might seem to go to one of these, we generally recommend that you do not. Now, if it's in your same city, if you get a free ticket to go, maybe you apply to speak and and you're a speaker on on some cool thing about podcasting, like your enjoyment of podcasting or the fun you have in podcasting or what I've learned in podcasting, you're talking about your critic and your your writing skills that you talked about before, I could see maybe going there and, and, and dabbling with it. But $2,500 or more, that's a lot of money these days. And I am very hesitant because a lot of that information is available online through Better Podcasting or other podcasts about podcasting. There's dozens of them, actually. You said there was a pretty unique niche. There's dozens of them. Now, they're more focused on monetizing your show or come... To my consulting Mm -hmm. fee or, uh, you know, my consulting class or whatever, you know, pay for my services. It's more generated towards that usually, which better podcasting is unique because we speak to hobby podcasters. But yeah, that is my take on podcasting conventions. And it has really been confirmed for everybody that ends up going. It's kind of a neat experience, but it's a lot of money for really little return on investment. Do you have any questions?
1: Oh, thanks for uh, stamping on my dreams here, SP. I'm just kidding. No, that's, that's good advice. And what you're saying makes perfect sense because I can't imagine running into someone right and being like, hey, I have a podcast. And then they're like, we have a podcast too. And then that conversation really going anywhere, right? Besides like, oh, maybe we should collaborate or something, right? It's not It uh, doesn't really necessarily seem like it would give you a lot of great... Information that you wouldn't be able to find somewhere else, and you know I'm part of several different podcasting discords right like i if i'm if I'm looking for like uh guests, I have no trouble finding them so i am like I'm not really sure i I think that it would be interesting to see what it would be like that's kind of where i where I'm at that's kind of sort of where I'm going, but you're you're making a lot of sense if I'm gonna spend that much money on this hobby, I might as well like upgrade my whole setup, you know. I can get a new computer or or two computers for that for that money. I think that um, you're making a lot of good points. Basically, this is a you know this is a luxury. So, uh, but ultimately, all the resources you can find will be available online. So it makes a lot of sense to what you're saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a couple final questions here. Number one, it doesn't have to be the because we were talking about the before but what is one just pops to the front of your mind favorite moment from your show
1: oh man one of our one of my favorite episodes we ever did was our avengers infinity war episode we had nine guests all at the same time on the episode we brought in a bunch of people from other podcasts and other guests we'd been on was, you know, the whole joke was that it was just like supposed to be a big crossover in the Marvel universe. So we brought in a huge crossover of people as well. It was a lot of fun. It actually went better than we thought it was going to. People didn't necessarily talk over each other as much as we thought, but it was very, it was very chaotic, and it was, uh, it was very fun just kind of get that, um, the meme uh, started. Yeah, and I think that discussion went really well. I think we we, we talked a lot about uh, the stuff we liked, and that was that was really really great. And I definitely remember that as a highlight, right? Not many people can say they've had this many guests on one show at the same time. So I thought that was kind of fun.
0: See, now I have FOMO and you've minimalized me because I don't know if you know this or not, but I do have a Marvel podcast called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was not asked to be part of this episode. Oh, well,
1: you know, I didn't even I didn't find you at the uh, convention either. So I've just been snubbing you
0: (laughs) (laughs) twice Yeah, in in the past. The, the, the uh, knife is going in and twisting. All right. One additional question. Do you have any general gripes with the podcasting industry as a whole from your seat as a hobby podcaster?
1: I mean, I, when I was listening to your episode with TV's Travis, he brought up how many different celebrity podcasts are out there. And that's certainly something that seems can be frustrating when you, know, you feel like you're trying to break through. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that's kind of rising to the top that may not have the quality that you're you're interested in, but I think one thing that really bothers me is shows that are dedicated to a single like television program, and they review a single episode every like they re- review an episode every episode. I understand the idea behind this, right I mean it, there's certainly a lot of content to to mine from that. But ultimately, I've listened to I listened to a bunch of like shows that that do this, and they run into the same problem, which is that they don't end up. No, they end up with nothing to say. Right? There's this. They have this thing in front of them, and they're trying to uh, find something new. But ultimately, it's kind of the same as it's been. And there's and there's not like through line to it. Right? They're just reacting to what what's what's coming out next. I you know for our show. We pick a lot of kind of random movies, but we're always picking something that we feel like we have something to say about, right? Something that's going to be interesting to talk about. And I think sometimes when you run into a, a problem with, and I know you probably, this is going to reflect on you probably with your Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes, but I feel like that's, that's different because the show is over, right? You're, you're not doing, you're not uh, reacting to it as it comes out anymore, right? You're reacting to it as, oh, no, you were. See, this is the thing, right? And this is, this is the thing,
0: the Marvel studio universe. So even today we're reviewing moon girl and devil. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well that, see, I, I can respect that honestly, because we've done almost every Marvel episode, every podcast, every Marvel movie that's come out and we feel the same way, right? It's just right there. Easy for you to grab. And, um, yeah, I honestly feel like it just becomes something that becomes hard to sustain, you know? And I've definitely been in the situation where I want to do this. I want to do one with my wife about Lost, but I'm not sure if I would do every single episode, you know, I feel like I'd have to break it into sections or into seasons or something like that, just because every time an episode comes out, you'd have to find something novel with it and it's just not there, you know, it's not always there. They're not always hitting every time. I don't know. What do you think about that as someone who's actually experienced this?
0: It's a fine line that you have to ride between being critical about an episode because you're right. Some of them didn't hit. I'll give the example for the entirety of Marvel. Phase four was yeah. not a success, but it wasn't a failure. It was not a success, though. And you have to be able to retain your audience through entertainment somehow. And sometimes it's difficult to do. Sometimes we don't do that on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're we're very critical. And we have some very philosophical conversations between the four of us, but it's not exactly something that is, uh, I would say would be sustainable for your average person because you're like watching something, you're like, eh. For Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's not for me. I'm AARP age, and it's, it's meant for the tweens. It is literally focused on the tweens. But I feel like a, as a Marvel podcaster, if I'm going to continue to podcast on Marvel, I have to watch it because it's going to be intertwined in that MCU somehow. And there have been things along the way that we thought that, like the Inhumans series on ABC, which was abysmal to watch all the way to the end. But we did it because we thought it was going to link up to the MCU. And come years later, it's like, nope. I mean, you get the small cameo in Doctor Strange 2, but Mm -hmm. that's it. And I didn't need to watch that series in order to see Anson Mount on Doctor Strange 2. So, yeah, I would agree with you for the large part. I would, we're big advocates of breaking po- any podcast up into seasons, even a movie review podcast. You have to take time off. You have to take time to retool. You have to take time to recharge. It took us years to get to that point between Steven and I. We've both been podcasting for well over 10 years, and we're both at the point like this upcoming December. There will be an announcement on the Better Podcasting main show as it comes up in a couple of weeks as we return for our third season. But we're going to talk a, a little bit more about having to take time off to do that. And I think a TV review podcast, I think it needs to be more than reviewing the season, but mm-hmm. I think that you need to take time off between be seeing the seasons. It's a natural break, so that's good. But you also have to come up with some unique things to say. So yeah, you're right. I, I don't want to belabor the point too much, but you're right. You have to make it interesting. There is a podcast. Are you aware of like Star Wars Minute?
1: Yes, I've heard of it.
0: Where they literally take every single minute of all the Star Wars movies and they podcast about it. But they think they find interesting things. They actually research and they're entertaining about it. And it's interesting facts that the general Star Wars fan wouldn't know about it. So their podcast for a minute is about 20 minutes longer was when they started out at 20 minutes to, to 40 minutes. If there was a really a lot of stuff going on. But generally, if there's a big scene, you'll be able to do multiple episodes over that scene, so you don't have to take two hours to cover one minute yeah. so there are are different interesting ways to do that, and there's many, many podcasts that do movies by the minute these days, but they were one of the first uh, really successful ones. So there are ways to look into that and I would say if you want to spend some time with your wife, the podcast about anything, I'd say go for it. Just last episode we had. Julian and Gianna on talking about being married and podcasting, and they are doing it just to have fun with each other. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be about the audience; it just has to be if you're having fun.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe that's like the challenge. Maybe I just haven't found a good example of this, right? Where you have to bring a lot to your, of yourself to this to anything, right? And if you're watching a show that isn't necessarily the most entertaining, you have to bring a lot. You have to fill in those gaps a lot more. With yourself, and and maybe I've just never found a good example of someone doing a, a good job of that across many episodes. But it's, um, I think that's that's really the challenge, right? And and maybe that's something that uh, that maybe that's a gap that needs to be realized or, or something like that. But I certainly feel as if it, it, it can be low hanging fruit if you're, especially if you're a um, if you're a member of the cast on the show that you're reviewing. Right? It's just like, oh, we'll just watch the show and talk about what we did on the show. Feels like there's nothing interesting there. It feels like there's nothing
0: new to, to be gained from that. Well, tie in that guy, which is talking about the expanse. Uh, mm-hmm. they are interested because they, you would, I think like that show because they are like a lot of the same things about movies that you like and they're, they're really into it, but they're entertaining about it. They're not just entertaining about the show that they're talking about, but they like the industry as a whole, which, yeah. uh, so it's, it's a stick that you get be above, above and beyond. I know we're running close on time. I know you have other things to do. There was a couple of questions in the chat. Do you want to go over them? Sure. Yeah. The first one was, they're all from Matthew Bliss. And he said, would be very interesting in hearing how you connect with your super bracket bros and their, quote, extended network of contributors, which he alleges he's one of them.
1: Um, yeah. Jay and Eli are incredible. Uh, I really like those guys. They're some of the nicest people I've ever met. And uh, their show is very entertaining and very creative. They have to do a lot of work behind the scenes to kind of come up with what they're going to talk about. And uh, a lot of, some of the characters can be very obscure. So there's a lot of interesting media to consume, but yeah, I, I, they've put, put me in contact with uh, several other shows. The wait for it podcast is one of them. The other one is um, the nerd squad. They have a podcast about, I think it's called the, the clash of the stash where they, it's like a, Debate type show that I've been talking to the creators of that um, for a couple of months now to see if um, if I can slap myself in there. And yeah, I, I you know anybody that's a friend of Jane Eli, I think is a friend of mine. So reach out, <laughs>
0: Matthew, and I'll I, you can come on Naffle chat as well. He also says I'm not sure if I have misophonia. Is that how you pronounce it? Misophonia. But after editing podcasts for ages, I feel the same. Plosive mouth clicks. I wish we could edit real life.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll say I agree with him. Uh, some part, sometimes when it's really bad, I, I wish I had a hearing aid. So I could just turn off whatever I'm, whatever I'm listening to. It. But that's, that's terrible to, to even, to even say <laughs> what I
0: hate at work. Cause I do a lot of video teleconferencing at work in a room with several other people The in people that do telecons at work can hear this too. So they're in the room and they have their notebook or papers out in front of you. And they, they just, you know, flipping through them right in front of the microphone and you're hearing that from the other side and you're not hearing any of the dialogue back and forth. You're like, I can't hear you. Stop that. Or maybe they, they, they're pounding on the desk or something like that. Yeah. I really wish I could edit real life. And when I'm listening to somebody breathing, they use a lot of crutch words and I'm like, oh my God, I just want to delete, 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 delete. <laughs> it's just not available. So yeah, I understand that. And the last one from Matthew Bliss is a question for both of you for editing. How hard was it to come to grips with compression? And do you compress often?
1: I was for a long time. I was using a noise reduction preset in um, audio uh, editing software. And then I was compressing it to a different file size because it was easier to upload to Google Drive. But I stopped doing that and I feel like I've gotten a a much cleaner sound, which is really honestly the best thing. I have to empty my Google Drive every other week because I'll run out of space. But it's because uh, that's how I upload it to um, to Benjamin, so he can because he does the majority of the editing. But it's uh, I, I, I don't know. It's it's something that I'm uh, kind of co- I guess come to grips with, and uh, something I've become more comfortable with is the idea that I don't need to compress really.
0: So you're talking about file size, file type, yeah. Yeah. I think what Matthew's talking about, he might be talking about both. I don't know. I think what he's talking about is the actual EQ and Matthew, what I do is more normalization in my compression, uh, trying to get everybody the same volume as I go along. And so, yeah, I do that to every single track, uh, every time I edit and I make sure that it's clear, it's legible or audible, it's listenable. And that, uh, one person is not quieter than the other. So that's what I do, and uh, yes, he met that different type of compression. So
1: okay, well, yeah,
0: that, there you go.
1: That's um, similar to when I'm ever, whenever I'm editing a podcast. Yeah, it's a similar thing. I mean, I think it's obvious we should be normalizing. But one of the thing that Benjamin recommended I do is turn down my own speakers and turn up the volume of my guests. Just like turn it up louder, basically. So you know what I was doing before was I was you know. I was trying to hear every single moment, every single click or, you know, mouth-boot noise, basically, just so I could, you know, take out anything that bothered me. But instead, I'm sort of editing at a louder volume, essentially, to try to uh, basically boost this, the entire podcast above a certain level. Because uh, something that we noticed was that some of our episodes sounded quieter than other podcasts. So, yeah, that's something that I'm thinking about a lot, especially when I'm editing, for sure.
0: Yeah, there's this whole thing called LUFS, which is normalization, L-U-F-S, which is normalization of volume, basically. And even that kind of fails because some voices are quieter than others. or Like some women, even though they're talking the same volume as you, if you're competing with them with a very deep voice, like me on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., two of my co-hosts are women. So I actually tone down my volume and bring theirs up so that Mm -hmm. it appears that we're all the same level. So. Yeah, the LUFS, you should look into it. There's a standardization of what your LUFS is supposed to be. Negative 16 stereo, negative 18. No, I think it's negative 19 stereo, negative 16 mono, and negative 14 for Spotify. So everybody just kind of cheats and goes to negative 14. And I'm like, oh, that's hey. the <laughs> loudness I'm going to use because you can't do uh, everything there. Okay, I know that I've kept you long today, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate all your insights and all your joy and enthusiasm that you see in podcasting. Thank you, SP. This has been really fun. And where can our audience find you?
1: you could, the best place to find us is on affablechat.com. It's your new favorite website on the internet. That's what we keep telling people. You can find blog posts there. We can also find all of our social medias Twitter, at uh, Instagram. TikTok, all of it's at Affable Chat. but go to affablechat.com to see what we're up to.
0: Okay. Thank you. And thanks for spending time with Joey and myself for the past hour. If you like content like this, please subscribe to the Better Podcasting YouTube channel, like this video, and then ding that bell so you can be notified of future videos. Or if you happen to be listening to the audio podcast version, give Better better Podcasting Chats with SP a follow on your podcatcher app. Steven and I would greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed hearing this show and want to hear more of me, here's some podcasts that I have done in the past week on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I talked with Joey about. The agents and I reviewed episodes three and four of the Disney Plus animated series Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. That's episode 466. On Better Podcasting Live Chats, it is available for download right now. We talked a lot about the YouTube podcast on that, that it's episode 47. And on my side gig, another TV reviewed podcast, I was asked to guest on the Strange New Worlds fan cast with Shannon and Jake. We've been covering the Picard final season three. There's only four episodes left and we're hoping that they're going to stick the landing, but it's actually been really good. So go ahead and check that out. Once again, that Strange New Worlds fan cast. Tomorrow night, Stephen and I will be recording the season two finale of Better Podcasting live chat that will be at 6 p.m., no, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And then for this show, Better Podcasting Chats with SP, next week, I'm scheduled to chat with Johans from the Movie Mistrial podcast. So that'll be another movie interesting discussion. In the meantime, join the podcasting conversation on our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can find both Stephen and myself there every day. And if you happen to be a geeky related podcast, you can consider joining part of and being part of the Gunna Geek Network. You can apply at slash join. We'll see everybody next week. Bye.